Thanks for joining us for this episode of Public Service Psychology Now, Division 18's podcast series to keep our members informed of division activities. We're continuing our special 75th anniversary series in which we talk to former presidents of our division about their presidency, accomplishments and lessons learned. And today we're interviewing with Dr. Bob Morgan, who is president of Division 18 from 2009 to 2010. Dr. Robert Morgan is the John G. Skelton Jr. Regents Endowed Professor in Psychology and former chairperson for the Department of Psychological Sciences and directs the Institute for Forensic Science at Texas Tech University. His research interests include treatment and assessment of justice-involved persons with mental illness, effects of incarceration, including in restricted housing units, and forensic mental health assessment. He has authored or co-authored over 100 peer-reviewed articles and book chapters and three books, including A Clinician's Guide to Violence Risk Assessment and Careers in Psychology, Opportunities in a Changing World, which is in its fourth edition. He has also maintained a private practice in forensic psychology. He has served as a consultant to several correctional and forensic mental health agencies in both public and private sectors. So welcome, Dr. Morgan, speaking, to speak with us today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yes, thank you so much for being with us today. Well, tell us what you've been up to since your presidential term. Uh, the, the opportunity to serve the division was, was one of my first primary uh, leadership opportunities. And I learned not only a great deal about uh, administration and leadership, but uh, uh, about the, the joy of of working with a strong team and, and moving uh, a unit in, in a particular direction. So I had the opportunity to serve as chair of the Department of Psychological Sciences, uh, which I think, again, I, I attribute to my personal and professional growth through my, my time as president in the division. I've served as chair for six years at Texas Tech, where I've been for 21 years. And just in the last month have uh, stepped down from that role and actually resigned my position at Texas Tech. I'm moving to Southern Illinois University in Carbondale to be a dean. So I think when I think about what I've been up to since being president of, of Division 18, it's just been uh, uh, evolving as a leader and academically as an administrator, which I, again, attribute to the origins being when, when I had the opportunity to serve the division. That's really cool. Well, congratulations on you. your going new transitioning to being a dean. Um, that's really exciting. And it's really cool, too, that your experience as a division president, you know, helped you evolve and, you know, carry on those leadership skills into other areas of, you know, your professional life, too. So, yeah, you know, serving as president, it's such a brief term. You know, you have the years president-elect and president and past president. It seems like three years. It seems like that would be a rather lengthy time, but it goes so quickly. But but I learned a, a, a lot about working uh, with, with excellent people, working in a, in a strong team environment. And, and it shaped uh, who I am as, as a leader and, and an administrator. Uh, so I'll, I'll be forever personally grateful for the opportunity to serve the division. And, and it was a lot of fun, uh, something that I greatly enjoyed. So I, I've been invited in, in multiple ways. Well, let's talk some more about that. Um, so 
maybe um, well, maybe give us some text uh, context about what was going on during the time that you were president. What were some of the major issues going on in Division 18 at the time, or APA, or even the world at large? It, there were there were a few things that when I when I thought back in preparing for this interview, thought back over my time as division president that I thought were, uh, I, I guess, uh, paramount or, or salient uh, features or concerns. One was the fiscal shape of, of the division. Uh, we had had, um, the journal was, was in its early stages. It was still developing. Um, Pat DeLeon had, had just taken over as editor, I think the year before. And he's obviously done an excellent job with the journal and the benefit, the division has benefited greatly from, from the journal. I think Joel DeVoskin gets the credit for, for developing the journal when he was president. Uh, but in the early stages, a lot of resources were going to, to the journal and to sustaining just, just the division. And so we had to do a lot of, of very conservative fiscal management. That actually started uh, the year before I was president and continued, I think, through my presidential year and even the year after. Um, uh, Tim Lawler before me and then Steve Norton following me. Uh, I think we all had to, to be pretty fiscally uh, conservative, such that the midwinter meetings, for example, were, were held remotely as opposed to in person, which, which was a change. Um, but that, that was one of the concerns was how were we going to maintain the viability and success of the division until the journal, which we, as, as a team, the executive committee, were all in agreement that the journal was going to really financially benefit the division down the road. So we just had to sustain uh, efforts until we got there. So that, that was one thing. So we did a lot of uh, belt tightening, if you will, and, and tried to, to be pretty conservative in terms of expenditures. At the same time, we recognized that APA, uh, even back then was an aging population and the recruitment wasn't necessarily matching the uh, retirement rate. And so one of my, well, my overarching presidential initiative was to uh, increase recruitment. In fact, my specific goal was to increase membership by 150 psychologists. We typically would add 100 members per year. And so I wanted to um, see if we couldn't get 150 during my, my presidential year just to offset some of the declining membership. And we were on pace for that through much of the year. Uh, I actually forget if we actually hit that number or not. Um, I know we were close and I just don't remember if we actually hit 150 or if we came up just short, but that was one of my primary initiatives was, was to increase not only the membership, but the inclusiveness and the involvement of members in the division. And I spent a fair bit of time uh, working towards that goal. And uh, uh, hopefully, hopefully it helped. I, I, I didn't really track uh, membership numbers after that year to see if, if our gains were sustained or not. But uh, that was one of the concerns uh, along with, with fiscal concerns uh, within the division was, was uh, retention and, and membership rates. Thinking, thinking outside of the division, you know, as public service psychologists, 
I think our biggest issue at that time was a, a continued discrepancy between numbers and availability of services and, and clientele, um, individuals that needed our services. So really as, as a division, I think we were pretty focused on trying to bridge gaps. Uh, you know, one of the things that happened during my presidential year, it wasn't my doing, um, but it happened during that year, mainly led by past presidents, Bob Axe and Randy Taylor, was the uh, a collaboration with Fairleigh Dickinson University to develop a prescription uh, privileges training program. Uh, that was an exciting uh, development for us as a division. Uh, I don't think that ever really took off as, as big as we had hoped it would, but it, it certainly um, uh, really got the ball rolling. Uh, and, and I think that was an effort by the division to, to dive in and really try to tackle um, health service delivery um, inequities and, and uh, uh, deficits uh, out there in, in the public sector. So those were some of the, the primary goals when I, when I think back on my term in 2009, 2010, those were some of the, the, the dominant issues of the time. Well, very major in what such a big undertaking to consider how to, you know, approaches to, I guess, addressing inequities and, and access to mental health, you know, mental health services. Yeah. Well, um, so thank you for providing some of that context to some of those major issues that were, you know, um, that you were kind of facing during your presidential year. So what were some of the accomplishments? I know you mentioned um, the increase in membership um, and that you were on track to increasing um, membership pretty substantially, but what were some of the other accomplishments that you're proud of during your year? I think when I first completed my, my greatest uh, accomplishment or what I was most proud of was I didn't really screw anything up too terribly bad. <laughs> you know, you, you come in as president and of course you have uh, uh, your goals and your, your presidential initiatives and whatnot, but the, I think, overarching concern for probably any new president is I just don't really want to be the one that screws up the division. So uh, I did not do that. Uh, I was very proud. Uh, you know, on, on a personal note, I think the thing that I was most proud of was that I just really enjoyed my time. I enjoyed my time as, as president-elect, but I really enjoyed that presidential year. And then as any past president will tell you, the best years that president, past president year, when when the hard work's done, you just get to support other people and kind of reflect on what happened. But, but for me, on a personal note, I, I just really enjoyed being president. And, you know, that's not really an accomplishment, but it, it speaks to the division. I was surrounded by such good people, and I met just tremendous psychologists who were doing incredible work. And, and I just really enjoyed that aspect of it. In, in, in terms of accomplishments, it was... I think helping to continue keep the division on track to get to a point where we would be more um, fiscally stable mm -hmm. and that it was clear to the previous president and Tim Moore, Steve Norton who followed him, that if, if we did our job well, future, future presidents would have a lot of opportunity with some financial resources and, you know, 
I don't want to say we bit the bullet because that's not what it was like, but, but we did what we had to do in our terms, kept things, um, uh, kept things, uh, we, we managed the budget and kept things afloat while we were waiting for, for the benefits, particularly from the journal, which if you look at the budget now compared to what it was in, in 2008, 2009, 2010, and 2011, it's, it's vastly different. And so I think during that time period, we were proud to, to keep things moving in a positive direction, still able to accomplish some fairly substantive uh, outcomes, but to do so in a way that we conserved uh, what little resources we had, knowing that the future was gonna be very, very bright and future presidents would be able to get back to doing big socials um, and, and more with, with regard to outreach and, and efforts at inclusion in impacting uh, the service delivery in, in public sector psychology. Uh, and then, as I said, the other overarching thing that I was most proud of and was my presidential initiative was, was recruitment. And we, we were uh, pretty close to that goal, um, which was a 50% increase in in uh, membership. And I was excited that, that we were able to, to achieve that. And those are all really big accomplishments. And, you know, I'm thinking, you know, with Jen and I, and, and those who hopefully come before, you know, behind us, if we were also, you know, fiscally responsible, we've been able to benefit um, from, you know, um, you guys being so, um, I guess, thinking about the long term, thinking about the future and being so responsible, you know, over a decade ago. Um, and the journals, as you mentioned, has been really successful under Pat DeLeon's, you know, leadership. And, um, and so I just want to thank you uh, for helping us be where we are now, thanks to, you know, your kind of long range planning. It was, uh, it was a collective effort. I remember uh, having a discussion with Jackie Wall at one point um, about, uh, she, she was uh, one of the program co-chairs for the conference and for the social hour, she, she was talking about a chocolate uh, fountain at, at the social where, you know, you have marshmallows and fruit, <laughs> dip it yeah. in chocolate. And I was like, holy cow, I think we're gonna break the bank. I can't break the bank on this chocolate fountain. <laughs> we were so so worried about every penny at that at that time, um, but but we managed. And again, it was great people coming together doing great things. The social, I, I still remember the social. We had the chocolate fountain thanks to Jackie, and uh, uh, everything worked out. And um, yeah, it's it's great now to look back and see where the division is now by way of of resources. You know, uh, we still have room to grow. And, further develop in that regard, but seeing that there's at least uh, some uh, stability and financial opportunities uh, for those of you leading now, it's, it's, it's great to see. Well, what lessons did you learn about yourself or about leadership as a result of your experience? I think probably three things really jumped out at me as I reflected back over, over the years and, and thought about uh, my continuing 
uh, involvement as a leader. I think the three things I learned uh, about myself in leadership was one, to enjoy the, the process. Um, and that starts with the people. Uh, I was fortunate to have, you know, Division 18 at APA as a whole, it's, it's a great organization, but I don't think you get any better than Division 18. Uh, we're a collection of people that are givers and that, that care about our fellow uh, humankind and, and simply want to make life better for others. And working with a group of people with that common uh, goal or core mission uh, was really a treat. And what I learned from that is just make sure no matter what I'm doing or where I'm at by way of work and, and personal as well, surround myself with the best, the brightest who are like-minded in terms of, of giving and caring and, and you can't go wrong. Uh, no matter what kind of uh, kooky or, or maybe not so bright ideas that, that I would come up with, they, they would steer me straight. And, and as a team, we, we were able to move things forward and accomplish stuff. So I think enjoy the process, surround yourself with good people, and then trust those people to, to help lead and to get the work done, not take on too much as, as the leader. And then uh, be, be realistic in, in terms of your goals. Um, it's easy when you think about sitting down and, and developing a presidential game plan and initiatives. And, and you can come up with some really big ideas, but you have one year to achieve them. And uh, I had some other things I was thinking about at the time, um, but the one I really honed in on was that membership recruitment. And fortunately, I kept that pretty realistic. And so we were able to, to get there or about there. Again, I still don't remember the exact numbers where we ended up, but we were able to, to get close to that because it was a realistic goal. And some of the other lofty things that I thought I would do during the year didn't happen simply because the year just went by so quickly. So one thing I learned, and, and I stick with this today, when trying to accomplish something, keep it very realistic, keep it pretty simple and make it very concrete. And then you'll know if you're on track and if you're on target as, as the leader, if, if you and the team are getting it. I would say those are the three things that I uh, most took from, from the experience. Uh, you know, little things like being organized. I, I was fairly organized, but I was really structured about being organized as president, um, having monthly meetings with my executive committee, taking notes, um, making sure to follow up. Those things all really helped and are things I still to do today. And that was the first time as a leader that I was in that role and, and had an opportunity to do that. And I found that those the, the, the micro details mattered and made me more successful. So by way of practice, there were some things like that, but the overarching things were the enjoy the process, surround yourself with good people and then trust those people to help you lead and, and to keep you on track and uh, be pretty realistic in terms of your initiatives and goal setting. Really solid advice. Um, well, um, speaking of advice, what sort of advice do you have for those who are considering leadership in Division 18? I think particularly for those that are young and, and new members, that you're going to have a lot of opportunities if you just seek 
to be involved, get involved early. Um, division 18 is an incredibly warm and welcoming division <clears throat> if you just open yourself up to the opportunities. You know, be active, attend the socials, attend the business meeting. You're going to meet tremendous people. You're going to learn a great deal about psychology, about public sector psychology, about serving uh, those in the public sector. And, and you're just going to have uh, increasing opportunities. And I would just say get involved at those early stages. And as you, as you get involved, maybe as a treasurer or secretary at the, at the section level and become a section chair and you start working your way up, you'll find, uh, hopefully, like I did, that it's enjoyable. And with each level of increased responsibility was, was increased personal and professional satisfaction and enjoyment and an opportunity to really contribute to the division and by extension, those that we served um, through, through our work. And so my, my greatest advice is, is enjoy all that Division 18 has to offer. Uh, the people and the work that we do, get involved, be accessible, make yourself uh, uh, known at the various functions, and you'll have all kinds of opportunities to get involved in, in the leadership of the division, which I think you probably hear from most of the past presidents is incredibly rewarding. And I would totally agree with what you said too. I think it has been rewarding. And I didn't really thought or put it as um, in those same terms, but by extension, you know, helping the people that we serve um, through our leadership in Division 18, because maybe that kind of might seem kind of remote for people kind of thinking um, in that way. But again, another way to serve the people that we're- yeah. I think that's probably one of the things we, we maybe don't sell enough within Division yeah. is yeah. that we, we, we do the hard work of psychology. There's, there's not really another section or segment of, of psychology that does more important or more challenging work than what we do, you know, um, across all of our sections. You know, my section, my home section being criminal justice, working in, in prisons and jails, working in psych hospitals and VAs, you're working with some of the, the, the most ill people in, in the country and, and people that are marginalized and underserved. And that's stressful and it's hard work and having the opportunity to um, collaborate, interact, um, just be around like-minded psychologists with the same struggles, that in and of itself is, is incredibly beneficial and helps us in the work that we do. And I, I, think, I think we think about Division 18 as serving those of us that serve in public sector psychology. But one thing that, that we probably ought to uh, acknowledge and, and maybe even pat ourselves on the back a bit more for is, is just the help that we provide to one another by being um, uh, such a warm, inviting, and collegial group. I think we all benefit. Absolutely. Well, um, I guess thinking about um, the future, what do you see um, for the future of Division 18? I think Division 18 is well positioned both in terms of science and particularly with the journal, but, but also uh, from a discipline perspective to really lead uh, the, the delivery of psychology 
going forward. You know, the pandemic, um, as we're on this call, Jen is sitting there with, with a mask. The pandemic has changed how we look. It changes, it's changed how we operate. It changes, it's changed how we, we function. And, and some of our basic practices are different now. Pre-pandemic, uh, this Zoom interview would have felt very different for me, whereas now it's part of business as usual. Psychology is changing and the delivery, health service delivery is, is changing as well. And I think we in Division 18 in particular, given the populations we work with and the level of need and, and scarcity of resources, we have an opportunity to really be at the forefront of pushing new developments, new opportunities. Um, you know, we've always been uh, uh, proactive at, at, at new developments, at, at modality of, of service delivery, things like that, telehealth, prescription privileges. Division 18 is always right there at the forefront. And I think going forward, as we look at what is psychology going to look like over the next 20 to 30 years post-pandemic, but again, with uh, increased globalization and, and uh, uh, continued need, I think we'll help shape what psychology is going to look like. And I think that's very exciting. I have no idea what that's going to look like. I feel myself drifting a bit more away from the service delivery side as I'm moving up in academic uh, administration and leadership. But I still, I look at every issue of the journal. I, I, I bought every article in every issue, read some of the abstracts and uh, articles. And I just see us being, at, being repetitive, but at the forefront of, of shaping where we go as a health service uh, delivery uh, profession going forward. And I think that's, I think that's very exciting. That is, that is exciting to think about, you know, that we're on the forefront or even leaders um, in healthcare delivery models and services um, and that, um, and to think about what the future holds for us, what we yeah. I, I think, I think we have a collection of incredibly bright and talented individuals that work in public sector psychology. And then with the science, um, with the outlet of, of the journal, uh, I mean, the journal's doing incredibly well. It achieved its highest impact factor ever this year. Uh, that, that data just came out in the last week. And, you know, again, kudos to, to Pat and his team, but also all of, all of us that contribute to the journal as authors, reviewers, um, readers, you know, I think we have a real opportunity to, to impact the future by way of our science, but also our practice. And, and that puts us in a unique position. Well, thank you so much. Um, really great to get your take on, on things and also about your year and lessons learned. Um, as we come to a close, is there anything else you'd like to add? Uh, not, nothing specific other than uh, I've enjoyed this as I started thinking about, geez, what, what am I going to say? You know, it's been over 10 years ago that I was past president or that I was president. I barely even remember uh, <laughs> everything we were doing at the time, but having the opportunity to reflect on uh, uh, my time in, in Division 18 uh, leadership and, and 
where the division's going, it, it, it was uh, it was enjoyable to look back, think on on the work, uh, the incredible people I've worked with, uh, most of whom I'm still in contact with. Uh, it, it, it was just an enjoyable moment of reflection. So thank you for giving that to me. Well, we appreciate your sharing it with us. Well, I guess we'll come to a close. Thank you um, again, Dr. Morgan, for your time and, and sharing with us. And we also want to thank our listeners for tuning in. Remember to uh, subscribe to this podcast series so you'll be sure to receive the newest episodes as they are released. And we hope you are enjoying this summer. And stay tuned. We'll have more information about the convention coming up next month. So take good care, everyone. Stay safe. Be well. Thank you.